Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. This is the audio version of each episode of the Empire Files hosted on Telesaur English. You can watch every episode at theempirefiles.tv. Amidst Venezuela's economic turmoil, the main charge being levied at the government is that it's a dictatorship, where Maduro shut down the attempt to recall his presidency and is now consolidating power to maintain control. The opposition alleges this power grab is happening through what's called the Constituent Assembly, a call for a, quote, people's body to rewrite the Constitution spearheaded by Chavez in 1999. In short, the Constituent Assembly will consist of elected delegates from various communities with the power to draft constitutional amendments. The changes put forward by the elected assembly will then be put to a vote by all Venezuelans. Yet nothing has drawn more ire, condemnation, and panic from imperial powers and the opposition than this proposal. Opposition leader Freddy Guevara said, if this fraud is allowed to be established, Venezuela will be lost. What's happened there is the cancellation of democracy. In essence, a coup d'etat on behalf of the government itself has canceled democracy. In the U.S., Senator Marco Rubio threatens severe sanctions if the assembly happens, claiming it will permanently change, quote, democratic order. Organization of American States head Luis Almagro called it a coup and published a personal video warning against it. Maduro is calling for the assembly as a peaceful resolution in response to the violent protests that have rocked the country for four months. But many have responded with more violence, escalating tactics against state forces, like using an improvised explosive device against the National Guard, and even targeting participants in the Constituent Assembly. On July 10, a Chavista running as a delegate was assassinated, shot eight times in broad daylight. With street protesters and leading regime change advocates treating the Constituent Assembly as the end of the line for Venezuela, I wanted to find out what exactly it was and why it poses such a threat to democracy. While traveling around the countryside, I saw that one thing is clear. There's a high degree of excitement and participation in the Constituent Assembly from Venezuelan society. I went to the rural agricultural town of Cojedes in the northern region of the country, hours from the city center, where hundreds of poor and working class community Venezuelans were converging to discuss the process. I attended two public mass meetings where residents came to learn about how they can play a role in the elections and proposals. In addition to these mass meetings taking place all over the country, there are frequent street actions to generate support for the assembly. I attended one where marchers carried images of their constitution and called for peaceful dialogue with the opposition. I need for Venezuela as a whole to support the new constitution that's going to be made here in Venezuela. Why? Because that's how we are going to have peace, justice, and above all, morality. For the transformation of real power, the power that belongs to the people, which means give all the power to the people. Consciousness, revolutionary consciousness, because we are committed to the process of transformation that is happening in all of Latin America, and we are at the center of all the transformation that needs to be done. In our case, we are continuously supporting the struggle in Venezuela, the youth, the citizens of Venezuela, like the conscious people we are, 
We have to make a profound transformation in all sectors of the state. The pro-government march on April 19th when the people came out from the pueblos. I don't know if you saw it because it seems we are invisible. Revolutionary men and women are invisible to foreign media. They only show the opposition demonstration and make invisible how Bolivar and Lacuna avenues were full of people. We have invited all sectors, the opposition people, the neighbors, not the extremists who long for burning down the nation. We have invited them to a dialogue. To learn more, I talked to Elias Hawa, who served as vice president for two years under Hugo Chavez and is today heading the presidential commission to oversee the Constituent Assembly. Why is the government changing the Constitution now? I mean, what was wrong with the Constitution that Chavez implemented, especially amidst the political upheaval? Our current Constitution established a procedure that allows us to activate, at any point in time, a new Constituent Assembly, to create a new judicial framework and write a new Constitution. When President Maduro invokes this initiative, he doesn't do it with exclusive intention of writing a new constitution. The call is to open a space for a new judicial framework and a state transformation, one which guarantees the stability and peace we need at this time. How, is this, how would this assembly be formed? How would it work? In the first place, all of the candidates will be independent. They will not be nominated by any parties. Then it will be divided into two areas. 50% will be elected territorially within the municipalities, and the remaining 50% will be elected by a universal, direct, and secret vote in eight sectors. Workers, students, indigenous, collectives, disabled, seniors, farmers, and fishermen. These sectors will elect their own constituents by means of universal, direct, and secret vote. In terms of the territorial delegates, there will be one elected per municipality, two per state capital, seven for each capital region, and eight indigenous delegates. When voting is completed, the National Constituent Assembly will comprise of 545 Venezuelans, 364 territorial, and 181 sector representatives. What specific things is the government hoping to accomplish with this change? Well, in first place, Firstly, we want to open a big national debate in order to set up a group of rules of coexistence among two antagonistic political and historical projects that are forced to live together within the same territory. Secondly, we want the use of the call for a constituent assembly to include new social groups which have come along these 18 years of life under the 99 Constitution. The governments of the commoners, the advice of the workers, and other sectors which were not included in the original Constitution. And thirdly, we also want to include in the Constitution new developments, maintaining social rights of social groups, rights for nature, which our people have developed over 18 years of the Bolivarian Revolution. We want to make them irreversible against all odds. The call to defend the gains of the revolution refer mainly to the social programs known as missions, created by Chavez. Programs many are worried the opposition parties will repeal if they take power. There are over two dozen of these missions, and they cover a wide range of social programs and public improvement. Like Mission Sucre, which provides free higher education. Mission Barrio Adentro, or Inside the Neighborhood, which provides a wide range of healthcare to Venezuela's poor communities. Mission Musica, which helps youth learn instruments and take up music-related careers, 
Currently, over 300,000 children have enrolled in over 500 orchestras. Mission Corazon Adentro, Heart Within, promoting development of art and culture. And Mission Viviendas, a massive construction program building quality housing units for the poor. I witnessed these missions firsthand. At some of the art collectives created by Mission Corazon Adentro, I saw young people empowered to learn and create murals, screen printing, and more. And how does the government help artists? Uh, we have this amazing art project. You have screen printing here, these great murals. Um, how easy is it to be an artist here? Since the arrival of the Bolivarian Revolution and Chavismo in power, now with President Maduro, we have a culture law where street artists and muralists are recognized for their work. There's a minister of culture, which we didn't have before. All of this thanks to the Bolivarian Revolution. There's support for graphic artists, visual arts, national prints, and local cultural institutions. Mission Corazon Adentro, which goes deep inside the barrios, the graphic and aesthetic education of the students, now people can study and get their degrees. In our case, we come from a pedagogic, experimental institution that graduates teachers in different areas. Some specialize in art, music, and dance, and now there's the creation of the Experimental Art National University. So the work of popular artists has gained strength in the Bolivarian Revolution. I also attended an opening celebration of a new building from Mission Vivienda. This project, which has built a stunning 1.6 million homes for the poor and counting, the ceremony was a moving experience where keys to the new homes were passed out to families from the barrios. Here is the title and key of your new dignified home. We're going to make revolution in this space. We want to convert this space into a landmark of the revolution, all of this space. So that all of the achievements that the revolution has placed in your hands, no one has the right to take them away and you will be part of our Bolivarian constitution. One of the families showed me around. What does this mean to you? What does this project mean to you? Right now I feel so happy because my children have more space, everybody has their own room, and it's a better environment for my children. With the wage I have now, I wouldn't have been able to afford housing. Well, in reality, it was really hard before because of credit. We always looked for apartments and we looked for financing and nobody would approve us. As a result of the Bolivarian government, we were able to have this housing. And the opposition has different plans for the housing project if they do win. Can you talk about what they would do to the property? The plan that they have is privatization of housing. There are two models. There's us, the socialist model, where the human being is considered at the center. In the capitalist model, it's about money. Our constitution emphasizes that the family is the focal point of our society. It is to say, the ones who are in need the most are a priority for our assistance, and to provide for them the conditions, the accessibility, in order for them to live a dignified life. That being said, Capitalism is the opposite. The ones who have the money are the ones that have access to housing, because the housing is run like a business. All of these missions accomplished indisputable gains for the poor and working class people of Venezuela. Poverty fell 43% to 26%. Extreme poverty went from 17% to less than 7%. Children attending school went from 6 million to 13 million. College attendance more than quadrupled, and illiteracy was eradicated by 2005. Because of drastically expanding and free universal health care, infant mortality dropped 50%. 
While the opposition is looking for war, looking for the destruction of our country, they're selling out our country. We want to secure the constitution so that all of this can continue to materialize, the missions. We have the eternal revolutionary spirit. We are a people that are disciplined, a people of peace, a people of the Constituent Assembly. Long live the Constituent Assembly. And for our president, Nicolas Maduro, we have a message. Here is a people with unconditional support. Here is a people that loves you, a people of the Constituent Assembly. I'm backing the love and peace I have for my country, pursuing or sustaining the constituency that will bring us all the missions, all our homes, all our family. Through the process of the constituency, we are embarking on a beautiful revolution, a revolution of peace, a revolution of love, supporting our working class president, Nicolas Maduro. All the social missions are here that have sustained this revolution for the past 18 years. Mission Vivienda, Presente, Patriotic Households, the mission of food, all the beautiful missions that have given us respect and have given us voice and identity. I met with historian Chris Gilbert, who's been living in Venezuela for more than a decade, to gain some historical insight on the Constituent Assembly. And the U.S. media and opposition movement are, of course, calling the Constituent Assembly movement a coup. Um, it's Maduro consolidating power, right, his dictatorial power. What is the reality of such a project, and, and what precedent does it serve in progressive movements uh, from France to other parts of Latin America? Sure. I mean, the, the French Revolution produced a kind of constituent assembly. It was just called the Assemblée Nationale, right, or in French. And then, of course, the, the Soviet Revolution, there was going to be a, a constituent assembly. It was actually convened, and then Lenin dissolved it, interestingly enough. Lenin was one of the promoters of it, then he decided to dissolve it. That itself is interesting because it shows that sometimes it's good to have a national assembly, I mean, a constituent assembly, but sometimes it can be not the right thing to do in the right moment. So it was certainly the right thing to do in 1999 here. Chavez, when he was elected, before being elected, he said he would do a constituent assembly. He was actually sworn in. He said, I'm being sworn in on the moribund constitution, and we're going to do a new one. So it was part of his political project. Uh, but it involved a tremendous mass mobilization. When I came here in 2006, there were people in the body who said, look, I sent this little piece of paper in, and that ended up in the Constitution, interestingly enough. So people really felt it was their Constitution. And that's because something that never enters into history books, or rarely enters into history books, is there was a real revolutionary effervescence here. People were out, they cast aside the quotidian. Uh, they'd become, uh, they'd enter into this kind of carnivalesque, revolutionary state, which I think is necessary, right? You stay, cast aside your quotidian ways and you adopt this new way of living in which you become a full political agent or you participate in these, in these grassroots and also larger than grassroots things. And that happened here in this very revolutionary, very special movement that was a product of the rebellion in the 1990s and even had deeper roots. Now we're in a different moment, right? No one in their right mind would say that we're in a good moment, right? And there's certainly been a process of um, erosion of the revolutionary sentiment. And in part, that's just simply going to happen in any revolution, no? Any re people cannot be in a continual state of excitement. Eventually, they're going to want to tend to their gardens, their education, their violins, or whatever. And so at that point, there has to be another way of directing a process. Now they've thrown out another, the idea of a constituent assembly, but it's not the same circumstance at all. And I, in, in, in um, the name of honesty, I would say, I must say that I initially criticized the idea. I think that it's, I thought that it would not be an advance, and that's true, it will not represent a constitutional advance. 
But in the letter, it may represent a constitutional advance because they may include things like the missions could be included, or they could include the communes, which are not actually currently in the, in the Constitution. But everyone knows that, um, that, a le that the letter of the Constitution is not the most important thing. It's the whole packet, right? The revolutionary fervor combined with the letter. Colombia has a marvelous Constitution, one of the finest in the world, but it didn't have that backing, didn't have that revolutionary movement behind it to make, it the, make the, the letters in the Constitution actually live and function. So this maybe it may have some function, but it won't be an, a constitutional advance, and it won't be a revolutionary constitutional assembly. I believe that it has a different function in their eyes, and it, hopefully it will accomplish this. One hopes that it will unify Chavismo, right? It will unify Chavismo and prevent the counter-revolution from, from winning. So in your eyes, it's more about saving what's there instead of advancing more of the revolutionary sure, platform. Saving, saving oneself is certainly an honorable thing. Lenin said, I think two years into the, um, into the Soviet Revolution, that up till now, the only thing we've done is save the boat from sinking, right? And then he said, now we're going to try to advance. But, so saving the boat from sinking is certainly a worthy activity, especially when the, your enemy not only has fascistoid characteristics, which, is, which are all too evident right now, but also it has absolutely no project other than restoring a capitalism which will be uh, very savage, you know, giving freer reign to capitalism, giving freer reign to imperialism's hand here in this country. So in those circumstances, what's, what keeps the boat afloat is certainly an honorable undertaking. The opposition claims the assembly could rewrite the laws to exclude their parties out of power entirely. But regardless of what the opposition claims and government supporters want to accomplish with the assembly, it is an open democratic process. So if the main opposition parties, which again claim to have majority support in Venezuela, are demanding political change, one would think they would use their support to run their own candidates and push their own proposals. Instead, these leaders and organizations are calling for all Venezuelans to boycott the process and take to the streets to shut down the country. First, this is class war. This is about opposition sectors who belong to a bourgeois group. They are trying to manipulate the youth, whereas in revolution, we give them musical instruments. They offer them bullets, gas masks, molotovs, and burning tires. If there's one thing Venezuelans know, is that this crisis won't be solved by an election. This will be solved by all of us sitting down at the same table to build the nation we really want, to build a working nation, not the country the opposition tends to sell abroad, that is not our nation. Here, the people are working, they want to create a future for their children. We will create the country we want and we are creating the country we want. And every day we strengthen the legacy of our late Comandante Chavez. Now, with the process of the Constituent Assembly, where the people, the authentic power, what the opposition sectors are afraid of, the authentic power will raise their voices and build the nation. You mentioned debates happening before the National Assembly um, bringing these two factions together. It seems difficult. Um, are any members of the opposition going to be a part of the Assembly, and how does this debate process work to bring these two sides together? No. There will be a political campaign where you can be sure that thousands of candidates will be all over the country and in their own sectors to propose their ideas and their nomination to the Assembly. Once the Constituent Assembly is set up, they will decide their agenda. In 2013 and other times, the opposition was calling for exactly this, a Constituent National Assembly. Why are they rejecting it now? Why do they refuse to be a part of it? 
en un proceso electoral. Because they have never been interested in an electoral process that seeks to attain political stability in the country. They want to get power by means of chaos. Even some of the most radical sectors of the civil war in Venezuela. In 2013, when they were going to assume a parliamentary majority, which has the power to call for constituent assembly, this was presented as part of their electoral campaign, with the idea that it has always been their intention to get rid of all institutions, because their constituent vision is to bring all power to a halt and finally assume absolute control. This is very different from our proposal in 1999 what it has been until now, the search for stability and the recognition of all sectors in society. And so just to be clear, the government is inviting opposition to be a part of this process and they are rejecting it. We want them to participate. It is unjustifiable that they don't participate because this is a constitutional solution, a democratic one with elections that are free, universal and secret. The majority of society wants them. It is absurd that they don't want to take part in it if they could actually win the majority of the Constituent Assembly. But isn't it only certain municipalities that are more likely to be more pro-Maduro? The election is universal, secret and direct all over the country. All municipalities will participate. It will also take place in the sectors I mentioned. Within these sectors, who can doubt that in the workers' sector in Venezuela, there are people who oppose the Bolivarian Revolution, and they can present their candidacy. Perfect. Likewise, in the municipalities, localities, territories, there are also people in opposition leadership who can present their candidacy. In this sense, we don't understand why the opposition elite don't want them to participate. Is it true that the government is also postponing regional elections, though, this year? And, and if so, are you worried that that's going to embolden this claim that Maduro is a dictator trying to hold on to power? No, no, nosotros no estamos retrasando las elecciones regionales. No, not at all. We are not delaying regional elections. The ones who don't want to go to regional elections are the opposition. They said they don't want regional elections. Instead, they want to go to general elections, including the presidential election. It's very important to point this out. The constituent process is an election. And if the electoral power calls for regional elections, we will present regional elections. And in 2018, we will be at the presidential elections. In Venezuela, we have a lot of elections. It seems insane um, for people who realize that the elections next year. I mean, it's only a year away, and they're calling Maduro a dictator and, and demanding elections now. I mean, there's elections next year. Why can't they just wait? Because for them, this is not about winning an election. It's about disappearing from the political map and within their power, physically removing this popular political force that is Chavismo. Chavismo today is the most important organic force in Venezuela. They want to rule without this force. This is a fascist vision. No matter what your opinion, this is the crux of the situation in Venezuela. Regardless of any shortcomings of the government, regardless of any critiques from the right or the left, one thing is undeniable. Chavismo exists as a grassroots popular political force, a phenomenon of millions of progressive people. You see it and feel it in the streets wherever you go. Their existence and vision is a reality that cannot be ignored, and any person claiming to be for democracy cannot extinguish their voices.
you for listening to the Empire Files podcast. If you want to subscribe to our mailing list, please sign up at theempirefiles.tv. We want this show to be a resource for those fighting against Empire both here and abroad. Let us know what you think on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Empire Files and Facebook at The Empire Files.